Morning, guys. Welcome to the Tim Mojo or afternoon or evening, wherever you are listening to this, whatever time of day it is. Thank you for joining us. I think I've got something special for you today. Now, I, I came across um, something called the Sudbury Valley School over a decade ago. My kids were in uh, regular public school and in government school, and they were struggling. You know, my son was getting into trouble, hanging with the wrong crowd, you know, attached to these peers that were just trying to survive in, in this kind of... Uh, toxic environment. Uh, on the other hand, my daughter was a very diligent student and she would be stressing out and spending three hours a night doing homework, trying to chase these grades uh, that she was so concerned about. They were both suffering in different ways, uh, but for the same reason. And uh, that reason was, you know, I looked at the research behind, or I looked at the history, let's say, of public school and I was shocked at what I learned about uh, its origins and its purpose and its design. Uh, for example, I, I learned that it was created in Prussia. It was created to create an obedient class of soldiers that would fight and know their class position and be subservient to, to the state. And it was, you know, well regarded, I guess, by progressive educators in North America who saw that system and said, wow, we could really utilize that system to create an obedient class uh, of workers for the industrial, uh, for our industrial ends, right? So it's pull levers and, and um, do factory work and be compliant, obedient kind of robots for us. And, you know, this is, this explains a lot about how public education is designed, right? It's, it learning is all about, um, directing your attention towards an authority figure. It's all about suppressing a child's natural curiosity, their natural impulses and their preferences, saying, no, that doesn't matter. In fact, you must get rid of that and orientate yourself towards the authority figure and memorize, wrote what that authority figure uh, determines is important for you and then uh, regurgitate it for a test. And that's how we know that you are doing well and you are learning to be a good obedient thing. We put you in classes. There's a class above you and a class below you. Uh, be envious of the class above you, uh, be condescending to the class below you, know your class position. Uh, bell rings at in half an hour, stop what you're learning, even if you're interested in it, stand up, march single file to the next classroom. Now you're going to orientate yourself towards another authority. All these things were purposely designed to crush individuality, crush the human spirit. And uh, I was shocked and dismayed to learn that. And so when I look at modern education debate today, and, and it's all about what should be taught in these classrooms, in these uh, brain-crushing, uh, soul-destroying classrooms, uh, no one ever talks about the design of the school itself, about what its purpose is, about what it should be doing. Uh, these are our kids, are our most precious resource. What should they be doing? While well, Sudbury Valley School has a very different model, and I'm very pleased to uh, have uh, Minzy Sadovsky here, who's a staff member at Sudbury Valley School. Mimsy, thank you for coming here and joining me. It, it, it's, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's my pleasure. Okay, so let's give my uh, audience just a, a background. What is the philosophy of Sudbury Valley School? How is it different than a regular school? Well, uh, it's completely, <laughs> it's like the opposite. The philosophy of Sudbury Valley School is that people learn all the time. That even means you and me, not me so fast anymore, but you know, yeah, I do still learn. 
<laughs> and but uh, but people learn all the time. Little kids learn with rapidity that is mind blowing. Babies learn have to master so much complicated stuff that we don't ever give them credit for. Like, for instance, talking. Mm. You know, learning language from the word go. And, you know, oh, yeah, they speak English like it's their native language. Isn't that interesting? Well, and nobody taught them a thing. Right. So we we uh, sort of extended that to everything because we realized that that's how people work. And it doesn't mean that you never read a book to find out about things. It doesn't mean that you never ask anybody. It means that you, your own curiosity is going to take you where you need to go. And we leave children alone. We let them be free so they can go wherever they want to go. Right. And, uh, well, and, and, and this tracks well with me. I mean, when my kids were little, they were... It, it was questions a mile a minute, right? And uh, mm -hmm. they're so curious and so into things and wanting to learn. And whatever you're doing, they want to know about that. And they, like they're just thirsty for knowledge and to learn about the world. And it that seemed to go away when they enter public school. And um, it's almost like that curiosity is poo pooed. And and thrown by the wayside. I mean, they, they're medicated sometimes because they can't pay attention in class because they're interested in other things. Their attention is on things that interest them. Well, that's ADHD. We have to medicate that away. Um, so th that perfectly tracked with me now, Sudbury Valley School. So I, I found it interesting. I asked you before we came on, what's your, what's your title? What's your role? And you said staff member. And I guess you're all kind of staff members there. You're not teachers, you're staff members. What's the deal with that? Uh, we actually have, it's, it's an, an interesting thing. People, of course, teach because somebody asks you something, you answer. And sometimes it gets into things that sound like teaching, sound like they might happen in a classroom. But usually it isn't stuff that might happen in a classroom. Usually it's, it's more um, direct than that. But so uh, people do teach, but everybody teaches. Little kids teach, big kids teach. We just no, don't call it teaching. Someone asked me recently, wrote to me and said, please send us a picture to use for our publication of a child who's playing and learning at the same time. And said, that's what life is, playing yeah. and learning at the same time. There is no line between those two things. Right. They're the same so, thing. Yeah. So staff members, they're kind of there to keep the school going, but we actually have one person who's there to teach. She only comes once a week and she's there for four hours and she teaches like crazy. She is a potter. She's a professional potter oh. and she's fantastic and the kids love her. And the activity that she manages to uh, keep track of in that four hour period is mind blowing. She's got usually eight to 10 people working with her all the time. Right. So it's not that it's not that teaching doesn't happen. And then they, they work on it on their own in between. It's that mostly people grow up by absorbing the world around them and pushing further into the areas they're interested in. Right. Right. And so describe to my audience a little bit about Sudbury Valley school. Like th there's no classrooms, there's no curriculum. How, how exactly does it work when my kids shows up, starts the year, starts the day? What, what does it look like? Well, uh, the school is, um, think of it as kind of a slightly shabby, large old house. And the house was originally built 
for a family and a bunch of servants. So it's not even a house. It's all pretty. It's a house with a few pretty rooms and a lot of just plain old rooms, which is fine. And there are small rooms and large rooms and middle-sized rooms. And the rooms are just there. You make them into what you want them to be. Okay. So you and your friends bring your computers in and you start playing some kind of game in a room. That room becomes, I don't know, the World of Warcraft. That's not what people play anymore. I know that. But the Minecraft room or something. Right. For a long, for a, there was about a year when it was uh, Fortnite before people sort of uh, dulled out on Fortnite. Right, right. <laughs> you probably remember Fortnite if you have kids that are. Uh, for sure, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, so any any room is just a room and it's just a dull place with tables and chairs, sometimes a sofa if you're lucky. And it becomes alive by the people in it. Right. Through the people in it. And it's pretty exciting. You walk down the hall and everybody is, not everybody is, but people are in rooms talking to each other and pursuing their tech, the activities they're interested in. It's a very beautiful atmosphere. And the most beautiful thing about it is everyone treats everyone else with respect. Mm. Now, that is... It's sort of a given because that's what the school's about. We respect them and they pay it back. Right. But nobody tells them you better pay it back. Right, right. You know, it's just it's just the atmosphere uh, makes that happen. Yeah, and you, you even said something that piqued my curiosity before we start. You said you were elected into your the role you are. Um, talk about that. What? So you're telling me the kids have a vote in who gets to be in what role or who has a staff member or how things work around there? Or how does that work? Everything, actually. The, first of all, there is no tenure. Okay. No tenure. I've been there for 50-some years, 52, I guess. And each year I have to be reelected. And believe oh it or not. So, so these kids could fire you if you don't. Believe it or not, it's something you think about every year. I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet you do. <laughs> and you think, I probably shouldn't be yelling this week. And that's, yeah. sure enough, that's the week you tend to uh, be crankiest. <laughs> right. But uh, but they forgive you for a lot. For They forgive you for a lot because right. they know that you're holding the space, holding the school as a space. Well, that's so them. interesting. And, and and I suspect, Mimsy, that that it, it really focuses your mind on providing value to these students, right? Or to these no. kids. No. You, what we're providing is, it, it's, I, I, people say the, these words and I never quite know how to define them, but I know that's right. what we're doing. We're providing a space for their development, for their free development. And so it's not, that space is extremely valuable. And people, I think parents value it less than students really, because to parents, what is this thing? What are you doing? You're not doing anything. Yeah. What, what are we doing for their children? We're not doing anything, but we are. We're right. providing a place that respects them and expects them to figure out who they are and how they should get to be who they are, who they are next all the time. Oh, so interesting. The, the and how do you do that? How do you how do you uh, have expectations for them or how does that get communicated to them? Or, or like if I'm a student, um what what is motivating me, I guess, to progress and become the the adult that I'm destined to be? You, what motivates you to do the things you do at home? You can't help uh, yourself. Right. I can't help myself <laughs> when I uh, when I right now I'm reading a book about 
fungi, which I never, I don't know why I'm reading this book, except that somebody I respect very much said that he thought it was a wonderful book. Mm. So I'm trying to read it, but I'm thinking, what am I doing reading a book about fungi? <laughs> I'm very interested in history. This is history at a very different level. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but you, you don't stop. Yeah. You don't stop. You don't say, oh, I'm going to turn into a vegetable now. Right, right, right. Nobody well, and, and, and isn't that. that such a different, uh, it's such a different um, attitude than someone who kind of came through a public school system where it's like, oh, I can't wait to stop learning. This is, this is like oppressive and driving me nuts. I just want to veg out, think about nothing, you know, how, consume Netflix straight into my cerebral cortex and just tune the world out because learning is a terrible thing and it's it's like uh it's like work right and and what a what a i think that's not what they think i don't think people think about learning they think about being taught and teaching i don't sure. actually think people think about learning that's a good until point. they until they have the urge to do something on their own right Right. And, and, then and I, I want to yeah. learn about something. Right. And and it's usually after high school for most of us is when we start thinking about learning. It's like, oh, I can do learn whatever I want now that I'm an adult. That's fantastic. And then we charge off into a kind of our careers and actually have some fun with, uh, you know, going to some of these institutions. If because If you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep. now we're learning what we want. Right. Uh, but that, yep. that's interesting. What a what a interesting juxtaposition too. you know, you equated play and learning as basically the same thing. They're almost synonyms. And yeah, because um, yeah. play is, it's not fun unless you're, uh, unless you're using your head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What we do usually at, at a school is we think of as work, like it's draining. It drains our energy and it just stifles us almost, right? A little boy who interviewed at Sudbury Valley yesterday said he tried public school. He, he's, he'd been homeschooled. And I don't have much uh, sympathy for homeschooling. But anyway, he'd been homeschooled in sort of a pleasant way. And he said, and he, so he tried public school because there's there was a, uh, a gap between him ending what he was doing and being able to come to Sudbury Valley. And he said, my neck was so tired. I said, what? He said, I had to keep watching what the teacher was doing all day and thinking about what she was saying and doing. At the end of the day, my neck and head were so tired. Wow. And I thought, oh, if you were here, you might be doing somersaults all day and you'd never bother to notice you were tired. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, that's so interesting. Oh, man. Okay, there so. Is also a lot of outdoors. We have a lot of outdoors. And even though it's Massachusetts, which is not the nicest state for weather in the United States, hmm. kids might take a lot of advantage of the outdoors. Uh, that's fantastic. Okay, so uh, I drop my kid off at this school, and there's no curriculum, and my child is five or six, and uh, put my mind at ease. How is my child? How like if there's no curriculum, how, is he going to learn any how to read? Like, I cannot put your mind at ease. The more you worry, <laughs> the slower he'll learn. <laughs> right, and then one day he'll know how. Right, right. And you won't have seen anything happen in between. Right. So so and, how do kids, like, how does the process usually work? Like, describe to me a child who shows up there, doesn't know how to read, but then one day decides, I guess he wants to learn to read. How does, how does that happen? I don't, I think that occasionally kids decide that. And sometimes they even ask for help. 
that is such a rare child, hmm. like one in a few hundred. And it's much more likely that they keep puzzling things out. Like I watched a, I watched a little girl with a book about dinosaurs recently. And she knew all the names of the dinosaurs because she knew so much about dinosaurs and her parents had read to her, oh, um, you could maybe go the other way. When you're over. <laughs> uh, and her parents had read to her and she had studied dinosaurs and she didn't know that she could look at them. She knew she could look at them and figure out their names. She didn't know she could read their names. Ah. And then once she realized she could actually read their names and figure out how that Diplococcus or whatever <laughs> it was, is, was spelled, then she realized she could read the description. And it was like something familiar, but ah. she didn't know how to do it. And suddenly she did know how to do it. It was really oddly magical and you don't you get to see that with kids very often right right so so she's equating the the words and and looking at them and thinking oh I, if i could sound this out or read this then that would enhance my enjoyment and enhance my play even more uh and, and so how would she then figure out what the letters sound like or what the words say would she ask someone or or no no i don't that's the thing you no. don't know how do they figure it out yeah did you know how your kids figured out how to read? Well, I, I assume they, I mean, I, I remember going through public school and how I learned to read was, you know, phonetics, I guess. You know, how did each, mm -hmm. like, the teacher spelling it out and have you memorize oh, yeah, things that. and that sort of thing. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I mean. I don't know. So I'm sure some kids still learn that way, but I don't know how they learn to read. And right. they learn they learn early, they learn late, they learn in the middle. Parents go nuts if their kid is eight and hasn't really learned how to really read, you know. Right. Uh, they just, they think, oh, I've made a terrible choice in schools and they're never oh, yeah. going to be able to be anybody. And then that turns out to be somebody that's got a PhD in physics or something at some later moment. It, it's, right. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And we have, we're humble enough to know there's no rhyme or reason to it. Wow. And we don't, there may be kids out there that aren't very bright. We haven't seen them. Hmm. I don't know where they are. Wow. I think kids that are allowed to use their heads are all bright. Interesting. I, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm sure there are, uh, there are children with, with specific physical problems who cannot learn the same way that other people can learn, but I'm not totally sure right. what they are, unless they're things that you can see. But, um, man, they just all seem so smart. I always say I'm the dumbest kid in school and I mean it. Hmm. I mean it in that I think they all take in stuff much more quickly than I do. What's really coming through to me here, Mimsy is, um, you know, you're, you talk about you're, you're not there to provide value so much as hold a space for the kids, make sure that space is there. And, and you're, you're mm -hmm. talking about, um, about like just trusting and respecting, like it, it's, it's almost triggering to me because I want to get in there and I want to make sure. And I, I remember how I was as a, as a younger parent to my young children and, and trying to, it felt like the more I tried to push them to learn a particular thing, or, or I had my idea about where, where they should be at and how they should be learning and how they should be developing. The more I pushed that on them, the more it, it backfired on me. And, um, you know, 
really uh, maybe even harmed our relationship in a lot of ways. And uh, what I'm getting from you is just the opposite of that. It's just like. I wish I could say that I was the perfect mother who never did. Those. Sure. But there's always something that you think. Of is course. So of course. But, but what I'm loving about you, <laughs> about what you're, you're kind of, uh, you know, telling me now is, is just like, you, you know, you're not, you're not worried about it. You're, you're just trust that that child is going to develop in the way they're going to develop in the way they're supposed to develop on their own. And you just have to hold the space for them and be there to, you know, make sure. Which is, which is the hardest thing. Holding the space right. is the hardest thing, but you know, 54 years of success has taught us something. Right. Has taught us. It, it works. Yeah. And so let's talk about that success a little bit. I mean, you talked about, um, you know, kids going on to get graduate degrees and different things like that. How does that work? If you don't have a, a curriculum, if you don't have standardized testing and all these things, how how does a, a child graduate from Sudbury Valley School and go on to get a university degree or something like that? Well, those are two very different things. Hmm. Graduation from Sudbury Valley, there's a process, but basically you have to prove to uh, people who understand the school but do not know you people from other from people from other schools in fact other similar schools that you have uh, prepared yourself for what you want to do next and that you've used the school to do this and you have to be able to articulate that and uh, prepare myself for what I want to do next if all I want to do is I can't even think but the, 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 the people who are examining you and figuring out whether you prepared yourself for what you want to do, do next, do not necessarily think, okay, this, every child has to go to college or every child has to be able to get a job or every child has to want an apprenticeship, but they're interested in those things. Maybe it's every child has to be able to, or lots of children have to be able to travel on their own, which is no small trick, as you know, traveling right. all on your own. Yeah, for sure. And lots of our kids tend to do that. Okay. But uh, but so you have to prove through conversation and through anything you've written or um, that's an interesting. Excuse me. That's okay. Mike. Mike. <laughs> Bad noise. It's funny you don't realize how noise is. Um, yeah, it's not too. I, I can't. I, I can't hear it. It's 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 pretty quiet. So, I, I think it does. A, it's not distracting to me. If probably it's, sawing uh, something. Yeah, he does things. <laughs> that's, that's what that's guys do. Husband, we, we take my care. husband of sixty some years does does still does things. Thank well, God. He's playing. He's playing. You know. He's uh yeah. Playing with man he's things. Playing. <laughs> my children say, "Why do you make him live in that house? It's so much work for him." <laughs> and he says, I've canceled the people that are going to clean, that are going to do the spring cleanup of the yard. And I say, why? He says, because I need to do it myself. <laughs> so, you know. yeah, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, so you're, but, you're talking about these people that, um, that, uh, I guess what vet the kids or, or like uh, yeah, assess them yeah. to see where they're at. Um, yes. Is do all of your kids go through that when they to graduate? And uh, in order it, to graduate, they have to go through that. Okay. They don't all succeed. Some some fail. Right. Some who fail go away mad. Some mm. who fail go away thinking, and some who fail come back and try again the next year. Right. Okay. Which is uh, 
probably the best thing because I think occasionally kids who are really young and haven't got haven't got themselves enough together to try to do it. It's so it's so amorphous to say this child isn't ready to graduate. Right. But there are two kids. This there are two kids right now that I'm thinking they're not ready to that are trying to graduate. They're not mm -hmm. ready, and I don't know how to say to them, "You're not ready," because they're not on. They have they have they don't have zero achievements. They don't have zero ambitions. They just have a little less maturity than you might hope right, for right. somebody that's going to go out into the world. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, they're, so maturity, and so, so what does that assessment big. process look like? Are, do they sit in front of a, a board of people or do they present yes, them with artifacts of learning or it's just three people and they might present a portfolio or uh, even music if they have it. Um, right. If they have artifacts, like something they've made even better, <laughs> Right. that doesn't happen very often, right. but it does happen occasionally. And they talk about, what who they are and what they've done with themselves and what they want gotcha. and it's uh every conversation is different and the ones that are strangely the ones that are uh, the ones that have least to prove the kids that have least to prove are the kids that are going to college next because it's just so easy you just go to college college, right. college is so easy for a Sudbury valley kid they know how to right. take care of themselves they know how to be alone and, and how do they talk. get into college without, um, you know, a history of grades, I guess? Because I remember talk. talk? talk. Oh, okay. So they find a college that is willing to talk to them or. Yes. And right now it happens right this minute that every college is willing to talk to people because oh. they're only, uh, there's a lot of, um, a lot of different kinds of colleges that are having trouble with enrollment. I, I'm kind of surprised at, uh at the, some years you have kids that are, you think are the hundred percentile kids in the world and they only get into some colleges. And this year, <coughs> everybody gets into basically all colleges. I don't know. Right, right. Well, I, I remember uh, years ago, <laughs> right. I, I might be misremembering or getting some of the facts wrong, but um, I remember an interview I saw with a someone who went to Sudbury Valley School when they were in grade nine. And uh, they, when they learned they could do whatever they want, they played, I think, PlayStation the whole year or something like that. And then the next year they they oh, started yeah. playing yeah. guitar or like learning some music. And then they, you know, started playing some shows with their buddies around town and, you know, staff members helped them kind of organize things like that. Then eventually he decided, well, I, I better get serious here. I want to go out into the world. And what is it that I want to do? Interested in microbiology. So he made it his goal to go to Harvard to, to take microbiology. And um, and so he he got, got staff members to assist him in developing a portfolio or something that would get him into call into Harvard. And then he, he uh, I think, graduated Harvard at top of his class or something like that. And and what it, what it stood up to me about that story is that, um, you know, I learned that Sudbury Valley kids on standardized tests, if they take them, do about the same or a little bit better than than kids who have gone to public schools. But where they really <laughs> excel is is when they is after school, when they're doing what they choose to do, whether it's being a homemaker or a potter or a university student, they excel at those things. You know, they really excel, for example, in college if they choose to go there because they are self-motivated. They don't need 
you know, they're, they haven't been motivated by the crack of the whip uh, or, you know, carrots and sticks. They've, it's been that intrinsic playfulness that has been directing them and motivating them. Is that, has that been your experience or? Am I... Well, I don't know where this person who uh, graduated at the top of his class from Harvard is because I've, I've heard of no such person. Oh, okay. But, but, uh, but just a sort of as, as yes, you're right. It's a very good description. However, uh, just to go back to Harvard for a second, Harvard has something called an extension school, which most universities have, most four-year universities have. And anybody basically can go to that, can take courses there. And those courses add up to credits at Harvard. Right. That's all I want to say about that. It's nothing to do with getting into Harvard, gotcha. which uh, kids to my knowledge, never actually, I don't know if anyone who's applied to Harvard from Sudbury Valley in all these years, which right. doesn't mean they haven't. Well, but, let, let me know, ask you this. But there, this, there are so, plenty of other universities. Yeah, Sud Sudbury Valley School, as I understand it, uh, started in one place, but there's many yes. Sudbury Valley schools across North America and the world even. Uh, is that correct? Many is a big word. Wow, what a do you, few. Uh, Give me many. Give me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess uh, <laughs> half a dozen or more. Oh, more. Yes. Yeah. More. Yeah. So Certainly more in this more very yeah, healthy, I, lengthy, lived ones in this country. I but. guess what I'm getting at is that you know the name implies that it's in this one valley in one particular place, but it's actually not just a, a ge geographical place. It's an actual model of school that others can take and replicate and, and bring other places. Um, how would one, if someone were interested in uh, this type of educational experience for their child, this kind of environment or space for their, for their child, where, you know, and, and they don't live near Sudbury Valley or Massachusetts, <laughs> uh, what, what would your advice be to them? Move. Move? Not move necessarily to Boston, but move to one of the uh, one of the healthy Sudbury schools. Okay, and and can you uh, name... I'm totally serious. Starting yeah. a school is so much harder than anybody thinks it will be. You're, everything right. that you're doing when you start a school is countercultural, even after all these years, and you're fighting the tide all the time, and you're fighting most people and what people what people who say this is wonderful i want my kids to be free i want to do this when they actually see what free looks like say oh no and that's got goes on all the time so you have you need people to work with to do it the people that you need to work with disappear i mean it's just an awful mm. thing to start a school i don't know how anybody does it but those people that have done it <laughs> deserve kudos big right. time and you should go be with their school not even think about doing it yourself, especially today where most people have ways of working from home. Yeah. Do you, do, are any of these uh, schools boarding schools at all or? Um, not really. They're not really. There's a, there's a boarding school in West Virginia, but it's very small. And I right. don't, I don't know how exactly it's like this model. It's an enough like this model for sure. Mm. And they have uh, some boarding, but it's they don't take they don't take kids above a certain age because they don't want to uh, they don't they don't want the problems associated with cleaning up other people's problems. I guess right, I, right, I, right. I don't, that's 
I shouldn't say that because I don't why? know. I don't think people are above a certain age, but they want a kid who goes there to uh, be able to be comfortable there and be right. kind of one of the one of a small group. Right. So w- it's are never there a big group, and none yeah. of them, none of these schools are big. Right. Right. Are Are there any in Canada that you're aware of? Or? Um. No, but that doesn't mean anything just because I'm not aware of it. Right, them. right. Uh, the Windsor House, which I think I wrote you about at one time, which is yeah. was not like Sudbury Valley, but was a lot like Sudbury Valley, I think stopped existing a few years ago hmm. or maybe had to change its, uh, its, change its face. It yeah. was a publicly funded school, right, and right. a lovely school in North Vancouver, which is a very beautiful place. Yeah, it is very beautiful. Yeah. And there was, there were a few other schools. There was one in um, ah, Toronto. Right. But well, one one of the problems with um, starting a school, and I mean, even even just homeschooling in Canada, is that you have to report to the provincial authorities what your curriculum is, and you know, so of course that kind of flies in the face of philosophy like Sudbury Valley School where there is no curriculum so you, you would is, probably have to get fairly creative about well uh, th- thing you do have to get creative but uh in Canada are all the provinces the same in that way that I'm not sure that I'm not sure I know in my province of Alberta when I was looking into it uh, there were there were requirements to report um, your curriculum to Alberta education so um you know that that makes it a little bit tricky mm-hmm. To... Well, there's ways. There's ways to. Yeah, I'm not talking about lying. I'm talking about right. discussing the possibilities for kids to do things that that um, authorities can often say is a curriculum if they right. want to, and if they understand that people do have the possibilities of learning anything they want to learn, as opposed to the public school, right. or not as opposed to as in the public school where they also have those possibilities and don't necessarily learn them. Everybody knows that. Yeah. I, su- I suppose you could de- develop kind of a, a learning portfolio of what, uh, you know, just evidence of what your child is learning and present that to the, Ooh, the authorities. You could do that. I think a lot of homeschool in a lot of places, homeschoolers have to do that. That's, that's really, that's really unpleasant. Yeah. But because how do you know what's going on in anybody else's head? You just yeah. don't. So it, it requires a certain amount of testing or quizzing and. Right. And you, you seemed to, you said you weren't very sympathetic to homeschooling. What, uh, what is um, kind of your issues with homeschooling or what, what, you know, what, what are, should people watch out for if they're looking at that route? Well, um, this is, this is personal, but I know I'm not the only person that feels that way. Right. When you homeschool your children, when you have children, you have a tremendous amount of influence over those babies and little kids, mm-hmm. as long as you've got hold of them. Then you send them to school at sort of the age when they're ready for society to have more influence, you know, like five or six. They're ready for more than the family. And I think homeschooling often tucks them back into mm. the family at an age when they're ready to be part of the world and it is not necessarily good for kids. I've seen a lot of homeschool kids who, for instance, can't really answer questions. They can answer questions about the things they've studied, but if you ask them about what they like or who they are, they look to their parents for answers. 
interesting. Even okay. teenagers, it's not it's not pretty. Right. So I I think it robs kids of the their social of, right. of needs that they have for socialization that are really big needs. Yeah, yeah, and and so I guess you know. If you're a parent who's worried about the type of socialization they might get in, say, a public school, which isn't very good either, uh, you know, it's kind of socialization that you might get in uh, in a, a penitentiary or something like that. Not necessarily the Ooh, best kind of socialization. Not, not always. Not always. <laughs> not always. No, sure. But, <laughs> but it, it, I mean, a lot of people who who are concerned about public school are concerned about the type of socialization they get. Uh, what What I'm picking up here is that if you are going to do an alternative type of education, whether it's a private school, a Sudbury Valley school, or even a home school. One thing you want to make sure is that you get plenty of socialization for that child with their peers, where they have some autonomy and independence, connect making relationships away from parents and, and kind of on their own. Uh, yeah, that that's seems very like an important hard to problem. do. Yeah. Usually, usually those relationships are relationships that people have had to figure out, like, oh, I'm going to go to a dance class because I like to dance. And that gives me, you know, it gives you an hour, maybe twice a week or something. It's not the same as being with other kids a lot. Right. So uh, it's, it's, it's really artificial. And those are the things I have against it. A lot of people have no choice but to do that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, they, they don't want their children to be uh, in public school for one reason or another. And right. so they do the best they can. And well, one of the thing, one of the thing I really like about the the socialization that I've read about that happens at Sudbury Valley school is that you, you've got a mixing of ages, right? So you've got, uh, you know, young kids learning from older kids and that seems to engender respect both ways. Um, in that it, it gives an older kid a chance to be maybe a bit of a mentor or a, a leader and, you know, it gives, um, a, a younger kid, someone to have a relationship that they can look up to and that they can try to emulate or learn from. And uh, does that st strike you as uh, something that you notice? Uh, I know, you know, that's one of my issues. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And the other thing that we notice is that teens seem to be, almost all teens seem to be just, they just want to be kind to young kids. They just right. want to help young kids. So uh, that's that's a very beautiful thing too. But the friends that kids make at Sudbury Valley are friends for life often. Mm, I bet. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and yeah. you know, you contrast that to what you often see in in you know some of these public schools. Something that my kids experience, I certainly experience, and you see see a lot of bullying and um, you know negative emotion and people and kid kids lashing out at each other, and uh, it seems to be you know, the exact opposite in Sudbury Valley school. And I suspect that has to do with the fact that the DNA is, is from the ground up is, is different. It's built on, like you say, respect, that kind of um, democratic. Everybody group. doesn't enter the school. Everybody doesn't enter the school equal. A lot of people right. enter the school need have having problems in themselves that they mm. need to solve. And we, not everyone comes wonderfully respectful right of course okay sometimes it takes a month or a year or something to get them to uh chill and realize that it's okay but i've, I've been watching there's a boy in school now who's had a rough not a rough year in that he's been suspended he's never done anything wrong enough to get suspended so but he's just really harsh on the edges hmm. and yet he'll do anything 
for a five or six year old. Anything. Right. You know, I mean, it's a, like a totally different hymn emerges when a young kid needs them. Interesting. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. that's something so, that you wouldn't necessarily get in a public a chance school. that you wouldn't necessarily have a right. chance. Yeah. But he, that, yeah. That you ability family. And, and and you think about how great that is for that that you know troubled young man's psyche to for, be able to be a mentor and and have a young kid look up to him and be able to teach something you know that that's uh it's almost a human need to be able to to provide that for another human to be helpful to another human is is a, a human need right and so you know the the opportunity for this this young man to be helpful to a younger child that's uh that's fantastic you you know you talk about um how some of these kids of course don't come there that a lot of them may come from troubled homes or you know just different personalities and they arrive at this school and um you know that same child arrives to a public school you know the antisocial issues that they, they might have arrived with might get worse and they might act up in different ways it, it what happens to these kids in a Sudbury Valley school? Can you, can you maybe articulate how um, they become healthier, I guess, or, or more pro-social over time? You said that, you know, it might take a month, but it might take a year. What, what do you see that's happening in Sudbury Valley that kind of makes children more pro-social? It's, if I tell you, it'll sound dumb. Well, because <laughs> it's sort of dumb. I think that, being surrounded by people who accept you and are wanting to like you mm. is very powerful. Very, very powerful. It's always seemed very odd to me that kids who were, and we don't get many troubled kids anymore, but kids who were troubled in other situations would come to us and um, they would just be nice. And I thought, how does this happen? And I didn't know. I don't know. I'm right. talking about teenagers. I don't know, but it's the only thing I can think of is that the other kids, the other teenagers in the school, and maybe the adults, certainly the younger kids, just make it hard not to be relatively comfortable. Right, right. Mimsy, can you talk a little bit? Uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I, there's just so many questions I have. What can you talk a little bit about the democratic process that how your school works? I understand um, kids can kind of vote on staff members that you kind of your job is kind of up for grabs every year and you have to <laughs> win their hearts and minds and say hey i'd love to hold a space for you again this year kids um what about rules <laughs> that'd be a and, nice way to say it. yeah i don't yeah. think they, they they quite think of it that way but um well the school is the school itself is a is a pure democracy one person one vote hmm. so the only people who have any power in the school are students and staff. No one else at all has a vote in anything or power over the school, except, you know, maybe the town could come and say, we don't want you to let your kids go into Callahan State Park anymore, which would be, which they probably couldn't say, but they might, they might be things they could say. Right, right. The town, the town could make certain strictures. The state could make certain strictures. They haven't on us ever, thank goodness. Hmm. But, um, but I don't know. I forgot what I was talking about. Um, I was We're talking about the democratic process and how so, everyone has one. Yeah. Vote. Yeah. So it's sort of interesting because people who are very happy with the way things are going, don't often use their vote, often don't use their vote. 
that's I said it the wrong way. But there are other there are things within the major institutional framework besides electing staff. All the rules are um, formed through a school through the school meeting, which is the body that elects staff and does a lot of other things, and all of the budget and really everything. And there's a um, judicial committee, two words that are very hard for me to say together, one after another. We call it the JC in school. It's much easier. <laughs> and uh, that takes care of the disciplinary things. So if you have a problem with something that's going on, you make a written complaint and the JC will, which is composed of kids, will, wow. will examine it and decide what they think happened, write a report, may accuse someone of having broken a rule. So these kids are being judged by a jury of their peers, basically. A jury of their peers. Thank you for those words. Yes. It's very hard for people to believe that. Wow. Yeah. I I, I love it. Sometimes it's so interesting because right now the the people on the JC are picked by lot. And the chairman of the school meeting, who's also the president of the corporation that the school is, is always a student. And she picks a new JC every month. And there's always one one older teenager, one young kid, and a couple of people in the middle. And there is this little eight-year-old boy. And when something has happened, they're not big things. You know, there's something got spilled in the playroom. These are the kinds of things we're talking about. When something right. has happened that you think, we'll never figure out who did that. That's ridiculous. Why is anybody bothering to make a complaint? He'll pipe up and he'll say, oh, I was there. That was Danny. And it was Sophia. And she poured so uh, she poured water on Danny's lunchbox. And then she dared Danny to sit in the water that dripped on the chair. <laughs> <laughs> and Danny did. And then oh, Danny said she wet her pants. Oh. She didn't really wet her pants. <laughs> but she had to change her <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, I guess what you tell a staff member is not. I sat in a puddle on a dare when you're six years old. You say, "I wet my pants." Right. And they're going to be they're going to be so nice to you. <laughs> Jeez. That is too funny. Man, it this, was this, funny. We better not let Hollywood uh, get any ideas here because this would make great <laughs> reality TV. <laughs> People would be endlessly entertained by the judicial committee and and what's going on, what uh, kind it's of complaints so, are being brought so up. Interesting. I can sit in it's, there every day. Yeah. But I can't keep my mouth shut. Right, right. That's the trouble with me. I always well, want to say, but did this happen? Did that happen? So in this, you kind of describe this student body or governmental body of the school that that votes on all budget, important things like rules and staff members. Is there a lot of debate that goes on in these things? Uh, is it, um, you know, what, how does that whole thing work? Do, do kids show up there and argue different sides of issues or? You know, something big can happen or it seems big to me and it's poorly attended. And the other day, something that I thought was ridiculous happened. And there were uh, more than half the the school was in there just sitting there quietly through a long debate waiting to vote. This is what it was. Uh, Sometimes there are kids who get a concession, which means the school meeting grants them the use of a room to sell snacks in for like half an hour a day. Now, concessions, as you can imagine, are very desirable to children because they can use their money, they can use their choice, they can get things to eat that their parents would die if they saw the meeting, you know, stuff like that. 
And um, so the concession is a very interesting thing. But there were two. The, the last people that had a concession had it for five months and they did a really bang up job. And I thought, OK, it's April. Enough already. We're done this year. But no, there were two teams of people who wanted to do it themselves for the rest of the school year. And there was a huge debate about it. It was endless. Wow. It really was over an hour. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. But that sounds fantastic. Mibsy, I don't want to take up any more of your time. We're coming up on close to an hour. Uh, where can people learn more about Sudbury Valley School and the model? And, and um, Office at SudburyValley.org. Office at SudburyValley.org. No, I'm sorry. SudburyValley.org. I'm sorry. That's our email address. SudburyValley.org. SudburyValley.org. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll put, the, I'll put that link down Just in the show notes. Really simple. Yes. Or Mimsy Valley Bay School. Anything, I mean, anything close to it and you'll get right. there. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Take, I know we've been trying to make this happen for a while. You're a busy lady. We and so have. I, yeah. <laughs> so I really appreciate uh, you holding a space for me today and, and my audience. Thank well, you it's so my much. vacation. So it was easy, but uh, I had COVID twice. In my own defense, I had COVID twice this winter. Well, fair enough. So, I mean, uh, you know, there was there were blank periods. That'll, that'll anyway, knock anyone yeah. on, their, on their butt, so... Awesome. Thanks so much, Mimsy. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much.